0: Welcome to The
1: Meme Stream, The Meme Stream, The Meme Stream. Hello out there and welcome to The Meme Stream, the podcast following meme students, present and past, on their adaptive walks of life as they embark on a career in evolutionary biology. The Meme is a master's program that enables upcoming evolutionary biologists from all over the globe to study and research in Europe. This podcast will travel all over Europe and the world, leaping, as Richard Dawkins says, from brain to brain, meme to meme telling tales of our scientific ventures and research projects. I'm Kate Garland, one of your travelling hosts and creator of the meme stream, coming to you from Boston, USA, and this is episode 7. This episode is brought to you by me, when I got a chance to talk to Daniel Suto at the Joint Evolutionary Biology Conference in Montpellier last year. I talked to Daniel about his past meme project on the co-evolution of the passion flower plant and the sword-billed hummingbird. And now, over to past me and Daniel. Hi everyone and welcome to Meme Stream. Today I'm here with Daniel Suto, and um, we're at the ESEP conference in Montpellier and we'll be talking about his project today. Hi Daniel, nice to see you and meet you.
0: Hi, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you for inviting me for the podcast.
1: No worries, it's really exciting to have you on and to get it started. Um, I guess the first question we always ask um, is what was your meme trajectory? Where did you start? Where did you end up?
0: So I started in Uppsala in mm-hmm. two thousand and twelve. Yeah, uh, I was there for six months. I moved to Munich. Mm-hmm. I, I did my mini project there, and then the lab kind of offered me to stay for a bit longer to do the, the first thesis. Mm-hmm. I stayed in Munich for six more months, and then I finished here in Montpellier, So ah, it was okay. very nice to be back.
1: Yeah. yeah, nice and sunny. Yeah.
0: In fact, the summer school for me in 2012 was here, ah, so it's okay. almost exactly mm-hmm. six years since I started
1: Yeah, and the summer school was here this year too, <laughs> so it's a full circle, <laughs> that's great. Um, and we've had you on today to talk about um, your pro- one of your projects, which project would you like to talk about today?
0: Uh, so I think one of the prettiest projects, mm-hmm. it's unfair to say, it, but <laughs> was in Munich,
1: mm-hmm.
0: prettier because of the study itself, ah, okay. the work was not as rewarding, mm-hmm. but it's a... Uh, we're looking at the coevolution of passion flowers and, and hummingbird pollination, mm-hmm. and this has a this section of passion flowers has a very very interesting mechanism that the tube of the flower is incredibly long, oh. and uh, up to fifteen centimeters, mm-hmm. and then you have one species of hummingbirds in the Andes that has the longest bill relative to body size, wow. which matches the, the, the tubular flower mm-hmm. to be able to drink the nectar and effectively pollinate these flowers, but we see in the pylogeny, that the length of the of the flowers actually uh, it gets re- some species have it reduced some species have it longer and so on. So using herbarium specimens, of course, I didn't go to the Andes to look for uh. plants, unfortunately. <laughs> but using only herbarium specimens, I extracted DNA and then we did this uh, was four gene phylogeny, but I can't remember all the genes. Mm-hmm. But I think it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and we had about. 80% of the, of the species in that clay, so it's pretty nice. It's a, super, it's a super section of Passiflora. This is a botanist term just to refer to a very small, well, a relatively small group within the, the Passiflora genus. Okay. And the, the main thing that, that distinguishes them from the other passion flowers is this long tube, mm-hmm. but also a little trap in the bottom of the tube that is a nectar pocket, more or less. So it's, all of them are. Uh, hummingbird pollinated, okay. but the really known ones are pollinated by the of mm-hmm. So our question was, within the supersection of Taxonia, mm-hmm. is there a group of closely related species which with the long tube, or is this something that happened repeatedly in this phylogeny of about 90, 90 species? Huh? Break. Some of them are actually pollinated by bats also. Oh, wow. And so so you have really three pollination syndromes in one smallish clade. And we have uh, pollinator data mostly from the literature, mm-hmm. but where we didn't, we could assume it from the floral syndromes. Mm-hmm. So, if the flower is red and not many, okay, then it's probably pollinator. If it's white and big mm-hmm. and very fragrant, then it's probably bat pollinator. So, we did that. Of course, I never saw the following bird, and mm-hmm. I never did any work with the, <laughs> with the birds or the bats, unfortunately. Yeah. But just by tracing these pollinator syndromes along the phylogeny, mm-hmm. we saw that. First of all, that the long tube species are not all sister species. So oh, this is okay. something that happened repeatedly oh. in the evolution of, of, of the super section. Mm-hmm. So this, in this case, because it's such an extreme specialization of the pollinator mm-hmm. with the long tube, uh, with long beak and the long tube, if mm-hmm. one goes extinct, mm-hmm. the other one is going to go extinct also, okay. right? And they have done this in, in Ecuador and they have seen that mm-hmm. in places where the sword-billed hummingbird is not abundant, yeah. The plants are going locally extinct. Oh, okay. yeah, so it's, it's quite uh, interesting and very dramatic from the fitness perspective of mm-hmm. the lineage, right? Of, yeah. this, of these kinds of flowers. Mm-hmm. So, what seems to be happening is that they shift. Some some plants got incredibly specialized, mm-hmm. but its sister species actually lost that specialization. So, okay. they have some kind of reversal mm-hmm. from very specialized non flowers to some yeah. more generally generalist pollinated. Mm-hmm.
1: So the ancestor of both of these two plants were probably long-tubed, but then one of them lost and it all the other way around? The basing are all short-tubed. short-tubed. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then this taxonia clade, some of them evolved super long tubes. Ah, okay. But then in those little clades, mm-hmm. you you have some reversal again like to shorter ah, okay. shorter-tube flowers. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool because most people think that specialization is really costly and mm. it's really hard to go back away from yeah. it. But in this case, it seems that it's ha- it has happened I remember from the paper seven times. Oh wow. And three times a complete shift to, mm-hmm. to back pollination. Oh, okay. So even the back pollinated flowers are not necessarily related to each other. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So it's really, really cool. important. I think it's a nice yeah, kind, it's, kind of it's cool. fascinating. It was really pretty. hmm
1: And um the um does that have an effect on being so specialized to where these plants are found, like can they be found together? Um in does that make sense? So then, yeah, of
0: course it makes sense. They are mostly <coughs> totally restricted to the Andes. Oh, okay. I think it's from Colombia to Peru, and they start to occur after 3,000 meters. Oh, okay, wow. Someone will actually check the paper and see them, mm-hmm. saying random numbers. No, but, but are
1: they the cloud, forest? Those yeah, cloud forests? Those beautiful forests? Oh, course, wow.
0: Have this, it's funny because it's this interface between mainly bumblebee and insect pollination yeah. in most flowers mm-hmm. as switch to, to hummingbird pollinators. Yeah. They're better at withstanding high temperatures. And mm-hmm. So you have this switch in the cloud forest. And you do have taxonia growing uh, in proximity, but of course the distribution is, is all alone. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly if the long tubed flowers are occurring in the same place, but that would be interesting to know. Mm. Because this one, so you have the, pollin- the pollination by the hummingbirds, but of course, they're only interested in drinking de- nectar. Mm. But you also have ant, okay. ants that rob the nectar mm-hmm. from, from the base of the tube. Ah. <laughs> and when the ants make the hole, small hummingbirds come and drink nectar also. Okay. So they're kind of like, taking, they're cheaters in this, mm-hmm. this new direction, right? But the swordfish hummingbird is very good at uh, defending the, the, the range. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's
1: kind of nice. Like yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other examples of sort of this extreme specialization that can relate to, um, that you use to compare your study against and have similar patterns been found?
0: Well, no, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. There is of course the classic example of the hawk moth mm-hmm. and the dark orchid. Yeah. It's, it's also 13 centimeters. Because
1: mm-hmm. it's quite famous in, it's absolutely yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
0: Okay, this Yeah. Tell better. the story, tell the story. <laughs> my, in my bachelor's, mm-hmm. I started working already with flower color and flower color polymorphisms okay. and pollinators and see if there was any choice by pollinators mm-hmm. if they choose to pollinate the purple flower or the white flower. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say this on record, but it turns out that they probably don't care that much. <laughs> so at least in the studies of the mm-hmm. plants that I've done, the pollinators are not selecting for flower color. Oh, okay. And both of these cases are bumblebees. Mm-hmm. So I think they're interested in other things. But there I was reading a lot about flowers and colors and how they attract pollinators and so on. And that's when I came across the story of, of mm-hmm. you know, Darwin looks at this orchid with a gigantic spur mm-hmm. and without knowing, what nobody had described the Hogmont species, but he correctly predicted that, well, this, of course, this must have a proboscis long enough to mm-hmm. reach the nectar and in the yeah. process pollinate the flower. And I don't know if it's right, but I think it's one as the found the Hockmouth afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was about um, like 21 years or something mm-hmm. after, after. Then Yeah, yeah. so
0: that's a, yeah, it's an interesting, yeah. interesting thing. I think It's a really great story mm-hmm. and one that really hooks people into yeah. pollination, mm-hmm.
1: pollination studies. That's really good, cool. so it got definitely got you into it yeah absolutely, yeah, absolutely,
0: and since then I've been just jumping around from plant system mm-hmm. to plant system but always sticking to the role of pollination and mm-hmm. how pollination can actually mediate speciation in a way yeah. or at least Help maintain the variants, mm-hmm. and then help the reproductive isolation between species. Mm-hmm. in that way, another great system is these orchids that have a sexual pheromones of, of insects, mm-hmm. so they trick wasps to come and mate with them. Ah, okay. But then these orchids can just switch a couple of volatile compounds, and mm-hmm. they will attract a, a different species of wasp, mm-hmm. and then you have complete separation okay. and speciation. So it's it's quite nice. I think it's very. Very rocky.
1: Yeah. And so when you're saying complete separation of the species, it's because they're so highly specialized to well, another I, animal that they've co-evolved with, or can you explain I, I that? I think so. I,
0: I, it's more related to the fact that there is reproductive isolation. So mm-hmm. these flowers will not mate with yeah. each other anymore mm-hmm. because they're attracting a completely different group of, of animals, okay. or, of, of wasps or yeah. bees or whatever. So even if later there is maybe secondary contact or mm-hmm. some insects that still make a mistake, yeah. then probably there are still some orchids that can hybridize. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, because they're so effective at tricking the insects, mm-hmm. then yeah. they just never have to to do it. I okay. think the probably can do it, I never tried
1: Oh that's fascinating. So the whole concept of learning about co-evolution and it happening together, but you're still saying that it's sort of a selection mainly from the plants to sort of that? Are you saying
0: that? Or? Well, I think this is the Part of the debate because mm-hmm. we don't know what came first, Yeah or, or the chicken, or <laughs> the flower and the pollinator. Mm-hmm. I, of course, they are feeding off each other, and, and the radiation of, of, of flowers is it's clear that mm. there was. And you can even see. I think it's in the in the orchid phylogeny. You can time the events when you get these really big radiations, like mm-hmm. a lot of species happening at okay. once. And there are different mm-hmm. uh, stages and different traits that they evolve mm-hmm. that help them to have this huge radiation. One of them is the the fact that they can be epiphytes or semi-epiphytes, so they take advantage of trees and they grow high. Oh,
1: okay. so okay. On.
0: But one that had really a big impact is the development of the pollinia mm-hmm. which is just like a little pollen pockets that get glued into the insect that visits them. Oh, wow. And then so definitely this point in time mm-hmm. gave rise to very many orchid species. Oh, okay. So it is somehow connected to, to pollination mm-hmm. of course.
1: And how do you go about dating the phylogeny that way? With
0: so for the hummingbirds we actually dated it and it was, uh, for the hummingbirds mom, for the, for the taxonian flowers. Mm-hmm. But we used it some, some strange calibration with proxy data, right? Okay. But then there's a very nice hummingbird phylogeny mm-hmm. where they use the oldest known fossil hummingbird. Wow. Which is strange for everyone, it's from Europe.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and the fact that they know it's hummingbird is because it's a wing bone, mm-hmm. I think it's called the mm-hmm. ulna, Mm-hmm. And this bone is the only one that's able to rotate in such a way to help oh, the bird hover. Wow. Right. And then, in this time between, then you have the date of the short-built hummingbird, mm-hmm. and it matches more or less the timing of the diversification of taxonia.
1: Oh, that's So incredible. we were able to...
0: I think there was three points. One is the short-built hummingbird, mm-hmm. and then the second one was some... Uh, Orogeny so mountain building events. Oh, okay. And it seems to be that as the mountains were growing, then mm-hmm. of course we get radiation of plants and everything because they're being lifted. Ah, oh, okay. Within. And the third point I can't remember.
1: <laughs> That's all right, it can be a mystery that exactly. they can look up um, on the paper, exactly. yeah. Read the paper yeah. <laughs> and then send a message. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! So your role in that paper and the meme projects, you said you didn't, of course, go to the Andes to do the collections. No, so not. you were studying um, specific genes, looking at the flowers traits, or what were the genes? Uh, no, for all so
0: the genes, we only used for building the phylogeny. Ah, okay. Uh, and I can't remember, it was ITA, it mm-hmm. BCA, and I can't remember what the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was Another anything. mystery. For yeah. yeah. important, but it was it was nice and. Then the traits we just took from the literature. Oh, okay, and I, just I understand just that, through, yeah. like what's the color, mm-hmm. does it have smell or not, is it long or short or not. Mm-hmm. And this, this was together with the postdoc who is the first author in the paper. Mm-hmm. And so, he developed the idea, he did all the traits, okay. he helped me out to build the phylogeny, and I was mostly in charge of doing all the lab work. And okay. this was also great because yeah. I was working in, in the Munich Herbarium, which mm-hmm. is one of the nicest in the world. Oh, wow. And I was working with plants that were collected over a hundred years old, oh, over a hundred years ago, and trying to get DNA from those. Yeah. I mean, okay, it was only cyber sequencing, only for a few genes, but it was still very exciting. hmm
1: Of course. For yeah. me, it
0: brought a connection with, you know, biologists and naturalists from the past. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying trying to use their work to, to contribute something to the yeah. growing body of knowledge, of, of And that was cool, that was those
1: that's incredible, and yeah. um, so it's incredible also I think that within such a short time frame you started essentially, you didn't go to the Andes and collect them, but you started from the very beginning of DNA extraction <coughs> and sequencing. Yeah,
0: and so I break a piece of the leaf yeah. and do the extraction from there. So now if you go to the Munich Herbarium and you see the flowers that we used, mm-hmm. it said there the date when we took a ah, and okay, great. And they were very specific, so I was working with Suzanne Brenner, mm-hmm. with the, in the botanical Islands, and she was one that said, you have to be very careful with mm-hmm. your handwriting and yeah. make it pretty because mm-hmm. this will stay here. You yeah. know? <laughs> and you and me will be dead, long, long, gone, and yeah. these things will still be here for mm-hmm. someone else to look at. Yeah. And that gave me some perspective. That was yeah. actually a very, very nice, nice way mm-hmm. to put it.
1: Yeah, and it's so incredible too that you have these um, places like herbariums and museums that have specimens that will last for so absolutely, long absolutely. that can be used by scientists mm-hmm. for so many years, especially in evolutionary biology. I think this is the coolest. And, and
0: now the methods for molecular work are becoming so fine tuned mm-hmm. that I believe that eventually we'll be able to, for example, do a study of I don't know, population genetics of some plant mm-hmm. in the past and compare yeah. it to what it's here yeah. today. And uh-huh. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, we'll be able to see hopefully not too much, yeah. Degrad, you know, degradation mm-hmm. of nature of course, but yeah. genetic uh, diversity that can also be a problem.
1: Mm, yeah, mm. and thinking about that sort of idea of um, the implications of studies, did, do you think um, there are any sort of implications of your studies with the hummingbirds, like perhaps um, if, we, if they hummingbirds are so dependent on the plants, could you say then that these species are integral to keep both of them together? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and
0: that is the problem with most mutualism. Yeah. Problem and beauty also. Like mm-hmm. they, they've been so connected for so long yeah. that we should even look at them as one, right? Mm-hmm. But so in, for the taxonia flowers, the, the, the main problem was landscape degradation. Oh, mm-hmm. Because this, uh, it seems that these long billed hummingbirds don't like to fly out in the open. Oh. So they just don't go to fragmented patches. Mm-hmm. And because they don't go there, the flower never mm-hmm. gets pollinated. Yeah. It's self-incompatible, so it never reproduces, never sets seed, and then it goes locally extinct. Yeah. On the other hand, also, if the flower is not available, mm-hmm. then the hummingbird will never actually yeah. go there. Mm-hmm. There are still other plants of other plant families that they pollinate, that have also these very mm-hmm. long-tubular flowers, I think Bulmansia, mm-hmm. and I forget the other ones, matter so he has other options mm-hmm. but it's still quite important to, to yeah. try and keep it nice
1: <laughs> and it can pro- like show how like understanding those those evolutionary ties are really important to sort of conservation Absolutely, purposes yeah. especially I mean, yeah so the, the nice thing is that this is a hummingbird right mm-hmm, so it's yeah. very iconic it's also <laughs> a
0: hummingbird with a ridiculously long bill. Mm-hmm. you look at pictures and yeah. videos of it it, mm-hmm. it looks uncomfortable yeah. yeah i think planet earth too has a
1: this hummingbird and mm-hmm.
0: you can see very funny videos of it
1: yeah great <laughs> and uh,
0: so it's iconic people mm-hmm. want to protect it and then yeah. by protecting that bird mm-hmm. you protect the forest in which yeah. it lives and by consequence the taxonia mm-hmm. yeah. but also mm-hmm. these taxonia flowers are commercially valuable oh, okay. so a lot of people in, in South America it's, it's like a maracuja fruit oh, okay. they call it banana passion fruit oh, okay. and it is like a maracuja, but uh, elongated mm-hmm. with fewer, you know, fewer seeds and fleshy things inside but it still has commercial value so people still grow it and of course by doing that there is still some hope for the coming work
1: great that's great yeah, that's, kind of cool that's really good apart from um you know spending all your time in the herbarium and going over the specimens what did you do in your spare time in munich did you enjoy your time there
0: i, I, I really like munich yeah. for me it was one city that i was not uh, happy to Mhm. yeah especially <laughs> it's, it's so functional and it, i think it's a big city mm-hmm. with enough Things to do, mm-hmm. but it still feels small enough that if you need peace and quiet, you can do it. Yeah. The, the, the area of the English Garden is perfect, and mm-hmm. you can swim in the river. I've never been oh. in a city yeah. where the river that runs through the city yeah. is still drinkable water. Yeah, really, it's it drinkable. Yeah. Oh. I mean,
1: yeah. While it's nice to say that, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people are swimming,
0: and it's it's, it's quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Winter can be a bit tricky, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have Oktoberfest. Fest. Yeah. They, <laughs> and in terms of beer, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Beauty for the, uh, for the wine, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think it depends on what people
1: like. Yeah, your preference, yeah. <laughs> that's great.
0: I'm in Czech Republic now, so I think for mm-hmm.
1: me, beer yeah. clearly one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 because yeah. yeah. that's where you're studying your PhD, right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Right? so yeah. That, that, that's where I went afterwards. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. And do you have any plans of um, where you're going next with your career, well, what I, you want to do? I, I want to go
0: over for sure. Uh-huh. Now I'm at the stage where I really need to think of where and what and how. Mm-hmm. I think meme left with me with a little bug inside, <laughs> makes me want to keep moving yeah. somewhere else and mm-hmm. want to see how things are done somewhere else. It's also exhausting, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Yeah, it was really hard two years, because of the moving, everything was perfect, but having to move is a bit uh, exhausting. Yeah. But now I've seen how it is in Czech Republic, I could maybe move again somewhere else. I'm trying to stay in Europe, but I'm also looking into the US, mm-hmm. looking into Panama. Mm-hmm. They also have a lot of nice work with mutualism there, with things. There's a lot of literature about things in, in Panama. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing that's not not defined yet. So maybe mm-hmm. in, a co- in a couple of months I will know. Yeah, yeah, excellent. <laughs> I still have to write independent thesis, so I think the priority is still there.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. And do you think, um, like, like you said, me, Meme left you with a little bug, and so has it been something um, studying evolutionary biology in this program has sort of really propelled your career into like this um, pathway, or like you well, see yeah, that? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I did my bachelor's in environmental science, yeah, so I okay. had nothing to do with evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. You know, just my supervisor at the time, who said, okay, you know, environmental science is nice and all, but maybe you should look into <laughs> evolutionary biology. And yeah. I thought, well, okay, it sounds good if I can yeah. continue to play with the, with the flowers and the pollinators, why not? <laughs> and then of course here I, I, I try to sample a lot of different techniques but always with the idea of flower color, uh, flower selection the pollinators. Mm-hmm.
1: It's fascinating how you can um, be in sort of this very specific field of evolutionary biology in relation to pollination but still look at it from so many different that's angles. I think that's so fascinating. And that's what's scary of this conference. Yeah. <laughs> when you see
0: how many different techniques and how many different models and mm-hmm. how many different ideas that you can still apply to your yeah. own little subject. You know, yeah, it's,
1: great. it's scary, but yeah, yeah. really yeah. exciting. This, yeah. this
0: conference was a little bit eye-opener about yeah. <laughs> being done in the world. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. it was
1: really good. Um, and then one of the final questions I'd like to ask you is, um, at, like you've had this bug in your brain, but can you remember perhaps the very first time you might have started to, as a, a kid or um, teenager, think about the idea of evolution and it start to interest you. Mm, well, uh,
0: I wasn't a kid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was already quite advanced. Yeah. I was 22 or 23. Uh-huh. That's the first time I ever went camping. Oh, okay. So I was born in the city. Yeah. And I've been in the city most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I rarely ventured into nature. Yeah. Now. But in one of these trips that I finally made when I was already a bit older, we went out towards the volcanoes near Mexico. Oh, wow. And there I was thinking that, okay, I mean, I had been in nature, I had been going yeah. out and with my family and so on, but we never really, to be in nature, to go and get lost in a forest and go and see how it is and what is there and all these things. And I saw, that, you know, we were walking on a gradient and there was things that were happening at the bottom, but they were not happening at the top. Mm. And I was a naive person that never read a single book on biology. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, that must be interesting. Yeah. Surely people know. Yeah. <laughs> And that's kind of what got me interested in, into learning a bit more about the natural world and then I got hooked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's clear that you don't have to be a child to get hooked by nature. It can happen at, at any time. Yeah. And I think That's a nice thing. I'm yeah. glad it happened. Yeah, that's
1: great. <laughs> it seems to be nature that influences absolutely, us. Yeah. Absolutely, Yeah.
0: The more you spend, the more time you spend, I mean, when I was a kid, of course, I was collecting spiders and mm, yeah. ants and so on, but I kind yeah. of grew out of it. You know? mm-hmm. I was not very... There's the not mm-hmm. a lot of encouragement. At least yeah. well, I can't blame anyone but mm-hmm. only myself. <laughs> but I didn't pursue it. But it's, it's very funny to see with kids. I have two nephews now. Yeah. And it just takes one second to catch an insect mm-hmm. to get them completely excited mm-hmm. about it, and yeah. then for the rest of the day and the following days, all they want to do is catch insects.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I think it's great. His dad is a bit afraid of insects, mm-hmm. so I think it's very funny. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but he still insists. Okay, let's go catch some bugs. Yeah. Or something.
1: And then the very last question is just where can we find you? Um, where's the, like a website? Yes, so I don't have a website. Uh-huh. I am on ResearchGate. Great.
0: And I do have a Twitter, but it's a very old Twitter mm-hmm. account. Yeah. It's DanielSoto.v- mm-hmm. but I rarely use it. Mm-hmm. So re- ResearchGate research or an email if you if anybody wants to contact me, it's the Daniel.soto.v mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Wonderful. Eventually I might have a website to yeah. show pictures of hummingbirds if yeah. I ever go to see them.
1: That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So you still haven't seen them yet. I have never seen the plant in mean wild. In
0: particular, of the hummingbirds. Yeah. But not this this. Mm-hmm. sort build one. Yeah. I think it should be nice to see it. Yeah. One. one day. You know, okay, just the last funny story. Mm-hmm. I never saw the plants in the wild either. Yeah. Okay. Until my field work. Uh huh. In Papua New Guinea, so oh. this is where I'm doing the field work. Okay. And there they grow this plant for fruits. No? Of course, it's not native. It's, yeah. in, it's. I don't know if it's invasive, but it's doing quite well over mm-hmm. there. And that's the first time I saw a taxonial tower. <laughs> and of course they're not uh, pollinated by hummingbirds, because yeah. there are not hummingbirds there, mm-hmm. but you can still find it in the wild, and I think, uh, maybe uh, some other insects must do yeah. some, some kind of accidental pollination. Oh, okay. Or the people there, yeah. grow the world of fruit, cetera, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, that, that's funny. Because you
1: I, were like, oh, I'm super oh, nice. Yeah, exactly, I was super excited, yeah. super excited, super <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. Yeah.
0: So I have it pressed in my notebook at home. Oh, moment. yeah. To <laughs> so finally have seen it. So, yeah.
1: That's great. And a great note to end on. But, yeah. Okay. Thanks Excellent. so much for coming today. It's been no, thank really you. great. I think
0: yeah. it's a great idea. And yeah. I hope it encourages more mm-hmm. people to join the MIM program. Yeah,
1: the program and to study evolutionary biology yeah, or absolutely. even just look into it a bit more too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. It's been great. Thanks. Thanks. And thank you to everyone listening and joining us on our seventh episode, An Incredible Voyage, of The Meme Stream. Remember, you can read more about Daniel's work on The Meme Stream blog and ask any questions about what you heard there. The Meme Stream is brought to you by the Erasmus Mundus Master's Program in Evolutionary Biology. Special thanks to The Meme Stream team for all their hard work and dedication to the project. Our intro music is written by the artist Magella, and the little ditty in the end was found in the depths of the internet by YouTuber Sunil Singh. You can follow the meme stream on SoundCloud to listen to your new episodes, and please remember to rate and share our podcast to help us adapt and evolve. Yeah, it's evolution, yeah, it's Darwin's revolution, and it teaches us the history of life.